Welcome to Sisterhood. We are so, so thankful you're here. Welcome all of our campuses that are joining us. Maybe you're in a home group. Maybe you're very first time to Sisterhood. We just want to welcome you so much. And our theme this fall for Sisterhood is our sparkle theme, which is unashamed, unshakable, and unstoppable. So I hope you're registered for Sparkle. It's just in a few short weeks. If you're not, get registered. There's room for you, sparkleconference.org. Little shameless plug there. But we want you to be there. Um, we're just going to have an amazing time together in a few weeks. But today, we are going to talk about being unashamed of God. Now, Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel. What does gospel even mean? The word gospel means good news. And several translations of the Bible actually use the word good news in place of the word gospel. The Living Bible says in Colossians 1.6, the good news that came to you is going out all over the world and is changing lives everywhere. So what is the good news? Well, the good news is that God sent his only son Jesus from heaven to earth to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven from any, everything that we've ever done wrong. And then he rose again. And so he conquered death, hell, and the grave so that we could have eternal life with, with God and Jesus in heaven. Isn't that amazing? That is good news, I would say. And I hope that we're never, ever ashamed of that. Ashamed just means to feel fear or embarrassment that prevents a person from doing something. Now, how many of you have ever been ashamed or embarrassed to do something and it's prevented you from doing it? Well... I know I have. Um, I did aerobics, okay? I'm just going to throw it out there. I went to an aerobics class, and I was completely embarrassed because I could not keep up with any of the moves. I tried to stand in the back and, you know, so no one would see me. But then what would they do? They'd turn around, and then they'd start doing it from that way. And I'm just, I was absolutely terrible at aerobics. And I will never do it again. I like to walk. I can even run on a treadmill, but aerobics is out for me. I, it, my embarrassment prevents me from doing it, okay? I will say that. Um, I guess it's just the whole, like, moving, dancing. Rob and I took ballroom dancing lessons one time, and we paid for three lessons up front. And after our first lesson, we never went back. So <laughs> I'll just say that I'm not a good dancer, not very coordinated, and I will say neither is Rob, okay? We were both terrible. So... Embarrassment does prevent me from doing some things. But seriously, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Jesus used this same word in Luke chapter 9, verse 26. And he said, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. That's pretty serious. This means that to live unashamed we are not embarrassed at what other people might think about our decision to follow Jesus and how that affects our everyday lives, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we behave, and the way we speak. 
The unashamed gospel has so much power. So we're going to look at a few ways um, that that power comes about today. And the first thing is that the unashamed power of the gospel brings freedom. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because he knew that it came with grace to set us free from our sins. Think back to when you first gave your life to Christ. If you've, if you've given your life over to Christ, think back and remember that freedom that you felt. All of the sins and the weights and your secret struggles and all the things that you've done wrong was just lifted off in a moment when you accepted Christ into your life. And every day when we sin, we can just ask him, God, please forgive me. And we can turn it over to him and we don't have to hold on to it. It's so freeing to know that we don't have to carry our shame and guilt like a ball and chain. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We have been set free by the saving power of Jesus. And when we've truly experienced that freedom, it compels us to want to share that with others. I, I love Teen Challenge. If any of you have seen, um, we have the choir usually here at church once a year. And it is so amazing just to see the joy on the faces of those who have faced addictions in their life and how God has freed them from those. I love it. And if you've lost your passion to, to share the gospel with others, I would just encourage you to spend some time reflecting on all the things that God has saved you from and freed you from. Take a minute and just even write them down. It'll change your perspective. Another thing the unashamed gospel brings is fulfillment of purpose. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 27. He said, But whatever happens to me, remember always to live as Christians should, so that whether I ever see you again or not, I will keep on hearing good reports that you are standing side by side with one strong purpose, to tell the good news. Later in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul's purpose was to know God and to tell about him. Now, I know that I've shared this before, but for those of you maybe that haven't heard it, when I read the book, The Purpose Driven Life, it was like a light bulb just went off. Because in that, in that book, Rick Warren says that all of our purposes are to know God, to serve God, and to share him with others. And it just was so freeing to me because I think a lot of times we get caught up in the, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Like I must have this like this road, this narrow road of like there's only one thing I'm supposed to do in this life and I feel like I'm missing it. And that is so not true. If we will just do those three things, get to know God and serve him and share him with others, that is our purpose. And God will guide us and steer us into everything that he has for our lives when we do those things. Now, it's not always going to be easy to be unashamed of the gospel because sometimes it brings suffering or challenges. 
But a life unashamed of the gospel requires us to be set apart and ultimately different from cultural standards. Romans 12.2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Ouch. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. I love that. That's the passion translation of Romans 12 too. I love that. Satan wants nothing more than to discourage and distract and stop us from sharing about Jesus. And he creates these divisions and disunity in our culture because of race, gender, politics, pandemics, right? Lots of division. But one of the primary ways that we can overcome the tactics of the enemy is awareness. When we are aware of the enemy's agenda and more aware of the size of our God and how much bigger he is, then we'll be less likely to be tripped up. If you're out walking and you, there's a hole, maybe there's a pothole or maybe there's a big rock and something that can physically trip you up, it will help you if you're aware of where you're walking, right? Now, I know this may come as a huge shock to you, but I am not a huge hiker, okay? I know you're all shocked. But when you're hiking, you have to be very aware of when you're walking. Even if I'm like walking on gravel somewhere, I'm like, I'm hiking. <laughs> I'll text my family, I'm hiking. They're like, oh, did you find a gravel road or something? Um, it's kind of our little joke. But when you're hiking, you always have to be watching where you're going because if you're not, you could literally fall off the cliff, right? Um, or you could fall down a hill, you could run into a tree. I mean, a lot of times, I will tell you, I have done Pinnacle Peak down in Phoenix. That is one that I will do. It's a very um, path that's well, well-worn. Um, but you literally have to look down because there's, there's holes and there's rocks and it's just, you have to be so attentive to that. And in the same, it's the same with our spiritual walk. Being attentive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and aware of the enemy's schemes will help us not to fall. This doesn't mean there won't be hardship, but God will lead us and guide us through that hardship. And talk about hardship. Paul suffered hardship for spreading the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27, Paul said, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Now, most of us will not have anything near that severity for sharing the gospel, but we might be ostracized by our family. 
When we share on social media, we may be unfriended or criticized. When we share with neighbors or coworkers, we may find ourselves not invited to the normal social gatherings. When we share the decision of how we spend our money um, and our time to go on missions trips or maybe even possibly become one of our 500 missionaries, some people are gonna think we're crazy. But these pale in comparison to what Paul went through. Paul was arrested shortly after he wrote that letter and he was put to death for the sake of the gospel. And in our Western culture, it's really hard for us to even imagine that level of sacrifice. But we can never forget that Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life for our freedom. And in return, we have the divine privilege of sharing the gospel to those that God has brought us in relationship with. Now, God doesn't give us freedom and then just leave, him, leave us to fend for ourselves. He gives us salvation, which means deliverance or rescue. He rescues us and gives us hope and a new life. I love that song by Lauren Daigle, I Will Rescue You. And thankfully, I've never been in a situation like a fire or a tragedy where I've had to be rescued but I've talked to people that have, and they all say that they are bonded for life with the person that rescued them. Like it's such an impacting traumatic event that whoever rescues them, like they're, they're forever bonded. And that's how Jesus should be with us. He came to rescue us and we should be bonded to him forever. The unashamed power of salvation is for anyone who believes and it does not come by how good we are, how many good works we do, but it's actually a free gift. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. Salvation is a free gift. There's nothing we can do for it. All we have to do is receive it. Now in this context, Paul was trying to explain that Jews and Greeks were equally sinful and they could equally receive salvation. Romans 3.23 tells us that for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. No one is perfect. Jesus is the only one that was ever perfect. Now this equality was controversial because the Jews believed that they were the chosen ones. And they had prejudice against the Gentiles because the Gentiles didn't follow the Jewish laws. Satan knew that if he could cause division between the Jews and the Gentiles, that it would cause everyone to question and doubt. And the Jewish leaders turned their beliefs and laws into religion and rules, and they missed the relationship with God that he wanted to have with them. Satan wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to question biblical truth, and the fact that we have grace. He started from the very beginning, the enemy in the garden, right, with Eve. Genesis 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say that if you eat this fruit, right? He was very cunning, and he was kind of condescending, like, did he really say that? 
This has been the tactic of the enemy from the beginning of time. And he continues with that strategy today. A familiar verse in John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's amazing. God wants a rich and satisfying life for every single one of us. He wants a relationship with you. It's not religion. Now, if we understand the unashamed power of the gospel and believe that his word is true, and we understand the unashamed power of salvation and know that it's for everyone, then we should live a life that's unashamed of God. So what does this life look like? Well, first of all, an unashamed life is one that can, we need to be known for our faith. Romans 1.8 said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Is your faith being reported all over the world? How about your house or your neighborhood? If you were arrested as a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I love that. The first time I heard that, I was like, oh, but if you really stop and think about it, would you be convicted? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's, that's a good thought. Another thing we need to do is we need to be known for our spiritual gifts. Romans 1, 11 and 12 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. God gives spiritual gifts to every Christian, everyone. And in Romans 12, 6, Paul says that we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. There's gifts of teaching, serving, prophesying, encouraging, giving, leadership, hospitality. These are all gifts. And if you don't know what your gift is, just pray and ask the Lord and he will reveal it to you. Now, spiritual gifts are not just for pastors. Did you know that? No, they are given by the Holy Spirit to each one of us so that we can build others up and we can fight the enemy with the power that he gives us. Okay, we also need to be known by our fruit. Romans 1.13 says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among Gentiles. Paul said he wanted to see fruit in their life, meaning he wanted to see a change in their behavior, in their worship, and in their generosity. So what are the fruit of the Spirit? What does that even mean? Well, they tell us, in, it tells us in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit will help us to stand out in this world. How many you know the world is not full of a lot of love and patience and kindness and self-control. My prayer for all of us is that we will want to do everything we can to produce that spiritual fruit in our lives. 
And finally, we need to open our mouths, right? We need to preach the gospel. Romans 1, 14 and 15 says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now I'm not talking about preaching on a stage behind a podium. I'm talking about sharing your faith with a family member or a coworker or a neighbor. Rob spoke this in his message this last weekend. And if any of you, maybe you're not a part of our church or you, you didn't hear the message, I would encourage you to go online to rivervalley.org and listen to his message. Or if you can get the River Valley app and it's so easy to watch all the messages on there. But there's one part of the message, it just stuck out. It was just so practical. So practical ways to share your faith. And he said that there's three really easy things we can do if we want to share our faith with someone. Just three little sayings. And it's, I was, but then, and now. And these are so easy. Basically, you can just tell people, I was lost in my sin. I was addicted. I was, you know just hopeless and my life and I was depressed and, and whatever you were before you found Christ. But then Jesus came into your life. You can tell him, I asked Jesus to come into my life and now I'm living on purpose. I'm living with hope. It's such an easy way to share your faith. I was, but then and now. Why do we have such a hard time sharing our faith? I think we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of maybe being mocked. We're afraid of doing it wrong when there's really no wrong way to do it. I think another thing maybe is we feel like we don't know the Bible well enough. And someone would ask us a theological question, the deep theology that we wouldn't know how to answer, which probably is not ever gonna happen. But if it does, you know what the best thing to do is? Say, I don't know but I can probably find out for you. It's, it brings freedom when we can just be authentic and, and be truthful. Our job is to share the gospel, not to get people saved. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But imagine if you discovered a cure for cancer. You would not keep that to yourself, would you? That's absurd. Of course you wouldn't. You would want to shout it from the rooftops. Oh my goodness, this deadly disease that's killed millions of people. I found a cure. And you want to tell everyone. But in the same way, we have something more potent than any cure for cancer. God is more powerful than a cure and he's eternal. Don't be ashamed to share the gospel. Modeling Christ in our daily life is a gateway to gain the respect of others and then be allowed to share what God has done in your life. Let us never be ashamed to share about our God who sent his only son to die for our salvation. Let's never be ashamed of that, amen? Let's pray. Father, we just love you so much, God, and I just pray that all of us would learn to share our faith. We would not be afraid, God, to speak up for you. God, you've done so much in our lives. You've saved us. 
We get to live with you forever, God. And I just pray that you would help us to open up our mouths. Help us to live out the fruit of the Spirit, God. Help us to use our spiritual gifts and be known for our faith. God, I pray that you would help all of us to open up our mouths and share the good news of the gospel with those that you put in our path. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.